As the Twilight series features characters from the Quileute tribe of Lapush, Washington, we will be going into further discussion on Indigenous and Native American representation in later episodes. But for now, if you would like to learn more about the tribe, you can check out QuileuteNation.org and MTHG.org to donate to the relocation efforts of their tribal school. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown adults revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. My name is Sophie, and my YA book title of this week is The Wish of Assassins and Assassins. <laughs> oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As somebody who loves assassin fantasy. This is ideal. <laughs> I would this read is, your book, Sophie. This is the book made for Sam. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I feel like The Wish of Assassins and Assassins is that their only wish is that there's just one assassins. Like they just want there to be one. Is it battle royale assassin style? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. it's like PUBG but assassins. I would read that. <laughs> Someone will probably already have started writing it. All right, let's go into some other people on this podcast. <laughs> I'm Sam, and my YA book title of today is A Circus of Wolfiels and jugglers oh my god it's perfect it's perfect for me is the juggler like in the water Mm. or like maybe through like the a tank wall like window juggling for the would the juggler be me and then trying to feed four wolf eels at the same time are you juggling wolf eels yes (laughs) okay (laughs) And I have a picture that proves I used to do this. Wow. Well, not juggling because that would be... <laughs> we don't condone that kind of behavior. For legal reasons, it was not juggling. For legal reasons, this is only our opinions and not... <laughs> anyway. I'm more. Let's say I more danced with them. So yeah. the interpretation mm-hmm. of a juggler could be interpreted as dancing it's a circus after all you do what you want in a circus yeah juggling underwater is just dancing so exactly there we go (laughs) anyways and last (laughs) i'm hannah and my randomly generated ya title of the week is the shattering of pipes and volcanoes oh no oh god my heart just like stopped for a second (laughs) i know like shattering pipes still haunts my nightmares unexpected water noises still make me really really yeah Oh, man. I don't even want to think about that. Like, that would be a really cool, like, epic poem. Yeah. Like, did the volcano come up in the aquarium? (laughs) (laughs) It's those little, like, geysers of sand that show up sometimes when your plumbing isn't quite correct. When your pipes shatter? Yeah. I was going to say it's weird how so many of these mimic our real life, but I put all of the words into there, so I put the words that I thought of. (laughs) I mean, that's really the only explanation why there's a Wolfiel one. <laughs> yeah. Specifically for you, there's also a uh, jellyfish in there for Sophie. Oh, man. <laughs> Next time. Next time, maybe. We'll Next find time out. on Midlight Crisis. Wow. All right. Well, with that out of the way, our great new <laughs> YA books, how about we get into our Twilight discussion? Yeah. So, yeah, we're on to the second chapter of Twilight and Midnight Sun which we have all read today or yesterday or way in advance. Who knows? You said that really (laughs) suspiciously. Did you read these chapters, Sophie? 
Yes. Today. <laughs> Today. Definitely. Half an hour ago. Maybe. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I'm reading it while I'm trying to talk at the same time. Wow. <laughs> All right. So how about let's get into what happened in Twilight. Oh, yay. Yes. So I read this yesterday. <laughs> so our Twilight summary for chapter two. Chapter two is called Open Book. And to be honest, not much really happens at the beginning. We see a normal week of a girl in high school doing normal chores, etc. She has a conversation with Charlie about the Collins. Edward is away for a week in which she seems really worried um, that she's to blame for it, which I mean, same. I would also (laughs) be extremely anxious if someone looked at me with a death stare and then they disappeared for a week. Relatable. And then she's just getting over it. Bam, he's back. And then they have their first conversation in the biology class. And then the school day ends and she almost hits a car. And that's that. Fantastic. I know. I don't think Midnight Sun diverged too much, but let's hear what happened there also. <laughs> yeah, so the these are still the chapters where the story mimics itself in a pretty extreme way. But chapter two of Midnight Sun opens with Edward visiting the Denali Coven in Alaska, where he talks with Tanya or Tanya and tries to decide how he's going to confront the issue of a girl who smells like food. Obviously, he ends up returning to Forks and the high school, where he spends most of his time monitoring people's thoughts of Bella. During the cell bio lab, he asks a lot of probing questions and thinks about how Bella is so unusual because she's a teenager who doesn't want to be the center of attention is fairly attractive, and took an AP-level biology class. Whoa. So unique. So she's not like other girls, you guys. Nope. No, on the note of, oh, she's not like other girls, I actually wrote down, I was like, she was extremely relatable this entire chapter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because, like, especially when she only ordered a soda at lunch because she was so freaked out by Edward being back, like, 100% would have done the same thing. I get super nauseous when I'm anxious. Don't eat. 100% get it. But also her hatred towards PE. Yeah. <laughs> Physical education sucks. PE in high school is to date still the reason I hate the gym and hate physical activity and don't like playing team sports. So like highly relatable. <laughs> I, yeah, I have just like a list of things here that I'm like, these are the things that it's like, yes, exactly true of the high school experience. Yeah. I was like, it was, yes, accurate to worry over everything as if it's your fault, which uh, yep. still holds true to today. So not just high school. The fact that she was just rereading the assigned reading for fun. I was like, okay, maybe not relatable to everyone, but <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then the whole scene where she's like showing off with the microscope She's like, oh, it's Anna Faze. And like trying to do it as quickly as possible just to prove how good she is at it. I'm like, absolutely, yes. Yep. That is very relatable, especially with a boy. So what you're saying is that for the three of us, someone being anxious, hating gym, and showing off at biology and reading <laughs> books is like a relatable thing. <laughs> okay. Oh why, why you gotta call us out like that, Hannah? <laughs> We're all, like, anxious biologists in our real lives <laughs> yeah. who do a book podcast, but, like, I'm sure that has nothing to do with why we find yeah. Bella to be a relatable protagonist. This is relatable wow. to everyone, right? Yeah. Our experience is universal. <laughs> okay, but the part that was unbelievable to me, as perhaps all of the things I just mentioned being to blame, <laughs> how, like, quickly 
everyone brought her into like their friendship yeah. and mm-hmm. all the boys being in love with her and I don't okay I was never the new kid in a school but like in my experience high schoolers ignore you <laughs> if yeah. you don't belong to their select few friends yep yeah I don't even know I was like well everything else I can get behind it not sure about all these people who are like oh my god Bella she's the best but I wonder if it comes to the point too where we all came from I think rather big high schools and they like it's a small town high school so I wonder if that take is different because I'm trying to think back to my high school and I think I was pretty similar but I was never the new student either I was only the new student in grade three and that doesn't really count (laughs) i mean i was put like they normally i went from like a small elementary school to a big or high school but Mm. what they would do is they would put everyone from the elementary school into the same class oh in your first year in like middle high school because they were like you all know each other these where your friends are so we're just going to put you all in one class and i was not in that class i was in the class of the other elementary school because <laughs> oh. somebody fucked oh. up somewhere <laughs> which was fine it worked out really well for me in the end but it was like no nobody was like flocking to me being like wow the new girl from the <laughs> other elementary school <laughs> it's like no definitely not <laughs> i did think of an example actually though because my brother actually came into my high school as the new kid when i was in grade 12 i think and he was in grade 10 I'll never forget this one time we were both in drama and we were both part of the plays and stuff. And one of the girls in my grade actually said to him, oh, what happened to your sister? Like, you're the cool Truman. (laughs) I have that experience, too. (laughs) Yeah. And so my brother was like immediately accepted by the popular kids. And I wasn't because I was a huge dork in the best way possible now that I think back on it. But (laughs) yeah, so I guess that's kind of a similar situation. Absolutely cruel. (laughs) Unacceptable. Um, The fact that she calls Eric Chess Club Eric. (laughs) Oh my God, I wrote that down too. It's so funny. Uh, Just exactly how you would refer to people with a common name like Eric. It would be like, oh, you know, like Eric, the Chess Club Eric. Anyway, as someone who doesn't know anything about anything past the two chapters we've read is the denali thing is that does that come back later (laughs) yeah who's who's tanya i don't (laughs) i think they come up at the end of twilight although i don't remember specifically but they have more of a role in eclipse and breaking dawn i think or are they in eclipse they're definitely involved in breaking dawn with the whole like immortal child arc um an eclipse yeah i don't so maybe someone who has read the books more recently than us will let us know yeah we'll figure it out how does edward know them (laughs) yeah so they're another of the quote unquote vegetarian covens they're all female and like to pursue men without killing them um, which is why (laughs) they stop eating people but i believe the history is that the Cullen family lived with them for a while before moving down to the mainland United States, I guess. They didn't stay in Alaska because Tanya or Tanya, however you say her name, Tanya had a thing for Edward, which you do see in this chapter of Midnight Sun, and he did not reciprocate it. Got it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. This makes more sense now to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I, as like reading the Midnight Sun chapter, I felt maybe it gets cleared up later, but like I felt like, oh man, since I don't remember anything from the Twilight series, <laughs> I'm basically like a person coming in and reading Midnight Sun apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, I was thrown a little bit being like, what is happening? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. Like it's made for a very specific audience, I think. Yeah, that's actually something I was wondering while I was reading it, because obviously the dialogue is verbatim in both books. The scenes are the same. And I was wondering what separation, I suppose, Stephanie Meyer was anticipating people would have between reading Twilight and reading Midnight Sun. I feel like reading both concurrently is probably not the expected use of these books. But as you just indicated, Sophie, clearly she's expecting some memory of at least like characters and vague events that happen in Twilight to be carried into reading Midnight Sun. So I wonder what the expectation was for people yeah. to read this book. I almost want to say like, because we've, we touched on this briefly in the first chapter, but the writing is so much more honed in Midnight Sun. Like it's definitely like a meatier book to be reading mm-hmm. so far, at least than Twilight. And so uh, my opinion is that it's just for the people who read Twilight 13 years ago and now are reading like heftier books. Right. It's for them to reread Twilight, but older. <laughs> Maybe. I think it's an interesting point, though, because it makes you wonder if anyone's going to actually read Midnight Sun without having read Twilight. And even in series, usually the second and third book, there's still enough information that if you for some reason didn't read the first one, you can pick up on like the world building and some of like the characterization points or there's like little reminders if it's been a while since you read it. Whereas, yeah, there was like no reminder of who Tanya was or anything in this. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it is not meant for someone who has not read Twilight. (laughs) I suppose at this point, if you haven't read Twilight, you probably aren't going to. So there's likely not much sense of aiming to that audience. Although I suppose if like the target demographic is the young adult audience, those people would not have been reading Twilight when it came out. Like the people who are 13 to 18 now. So maybe, I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe if you are someone who is listening to our podcast and for whatever reason has not read Twilight, but is reading Midnight Sun, (laughs) please let us know. Please tell us why. (laughs) We have 20 total downloads. (laughs) Wow. The thing that this chapter of Midnight Sun gave me that I never got out of the entire Twilight saga was actually a good reason for Edward to be interested in Bella. It finally clicked for me why he might have been interested in this very generic female character. So I thought it was really interesting that this chapter in particular really clarifies that Edward's obsession with Bella is rooted in curiosity rather than like any sort of like romantic, sexual or even gastronomical interest. (laughs) Um, And like because of the lifestyle they choose to lead, she's probably the only thing he's encountered in like decades that's actually new. That's a good point. Yeah. That might have been there in the original series, and I just didn't 
pick up on it because I wasn't looking for that kind of thing there. But like, I feel like I finally understand why Edward reciprocates Bella's interest. So that's nice. Yeah, I would, to add to that too, I actually really enjoyed rereading that like first conversation because it was just like between two people and it wasn't super flirty and it wasn't like expectations on anyone. Obviously she was a little apprehensive about it. Anxiety, again, like totally fair given the way he treated her. But yeah. I, it was just a genuine conversation that two people have. And I really enjoyed that. I yeah. actually got the opposite thing. Rereading oh, no. it again, I was shocked at how flirty it seemed That's, to me. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Well, because oh. maybe I read way too much romance. <laughs> yeah, that might be it. I also wouldn't be able to identify someone like flirting in real life if they like hit me over the head with a sign that says I'm flirting with yeah. you. So maybe take my interpretation with a grain of salt. Okay, but like like I was saying before, 100% any of us, high school flirting for us would have been showing off over a microscope. So yeah. that's probably oh, yeah. why you read it as flirting. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I... Yeah. I you know what? Okay, wait. So, like to go back to that, I think <laughs> because I was never like one to be like do that for flirting. I mostly just did it like, "Oh yeah, I'm better than you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so ridiculed and like whatever, so I was just like, "Oh yeah, haha, I'm smart." I don't yeah. know if I ever did it with flirting intentions, so maybe that's why I didn't think of it that way. But yeah. also maybe I just read way too much romance where like the flirting is just Ooh, really so thick. obvious <laughs> that I was like, oh, this is just like a good normal conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, because I was going to say the same thing where I was like, no, I definitely read that conversation as flirty. But same as you guys, I really liked that scene. <laughs> like I was like, ah, because I remembered not liking Edward for a lot of Twilight and Fair. the following books. And so I was like, well, I don't remember where I ended up because I don't remember the what I felt at the end of the books or what happened. But um, <laughs> yeah, I reading this, I was like, oh, he's kind of chill in this one scene. Was I wrong? And I guess we'll find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that wraps up mm -hmm. talking about the books. I think we wanted to talk a little bit about the voice of YA. So while I was reading these two chapters, I was kind of struck with a thought because we discussed how we thought Midnight Sun was so much better written than Twilight. And we chalked that up to Stephanie Meyer being more experienced when she wrote it. But I then got to thinking, I was like, what if this was actually intentional? So what if Twilight is written, quote unquote, poorly as to represent the thoughts of a 16 year old since it's written in first person and Midnight Sun is seemingly written better, but the descriptions of everything are just like so much more lengthy and all of that because he's a hundred year old vampire. So did she alter her writing style on purpose? Da da da, just because of this, which then got me into thinking, do authors who originally write stories, do they have older characters and they've written them this way and then their agents or publishers or something are like, oh no, this would do so much better in YA. So let's like age your characters to 16 but all the characterization stays the same. So even when you're reading it, it says it's 16 year old, but this character seems like they're 25. And so then I just kind of got down this rabbit hole of, well, okay, so what age do you expect in your YA literature? So I guess that kind of goes into my question to you guys to kind of open up the discussion is, does the age of the main characters drive whether a book is YA or adult? I don't think so, specifically because I just read a book where the main character is 16 and it is an adult fiction. But 
yeah, I feel like it's more in how it's written or like the tone. I agree that a lot of YA characters are definitely characterized as though they are in their 20s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with Sophie. Um, I don't think age is necessarily a determinator. I think it tends to be like something that is often true, but I don't think it's necessarily what makes something for a YA audience or what makes something for an adult audience. Yeah, although I will say on that note, I think, you know, all YA books have a main character who is under 20, Mm -hmm. but not all adult books have characters who are over 20, right? Like, like it can be an adult fiction book with youth (laughs) as the main (laughs) character, but YA, I don't know that they can have like an adult main character. Yeah, it's probably less relatable because like adults presumably can remember being teenagers yeah we at least remember being teenagers but it's probably a little more difficult for people who haven't experienced an age to put themselves in those shoes although my personal experience reading YA as a teen I liked reading about characters who were a few years older so they seemed a little bit more mature like, I liked reading about, like, 17-year-olds when I was 14. So it's like, oh, wow, when I'm 17, I'm going to be as cool as this person, which never happened. But, oh, I lost my train of thought thinking oh. about how uncool I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Len, to, like, kind of go into it further, do you think it's divided in subgenre, too, where there's more of those, like, distinct rules on, like, writing style or themes or whatever that divide it? Like, for example... Romance, there's like a clear division between what is why an adult, usually in the form of sexual content. But in fantasy, I find those lines are a little bit more blurred. And to the point where you said YA normally, yeah, all the characters are below 20. But a lot of the top fantasy series like Game of Thrones, Jon Snow, I think is 16. And uh, The Name of the Wind, Quoth is 16, I think, or something. But then you have Throne of Glass, where Selena is 18, or Six of Crows, where all the protagonists are 16 to 17. So it's like, in fantasy, I find that line is more blurred. But in contemporary romance, what are other genres? Oh, my God. (laughs) Sci-fi is a genre. Yeah. Yeah. Horror, probably. Horror. I think Twilight is actually officially considered YA horror. it's not particularly horrifying but i suppose if you go by like the classical definition of like terrifying monsters yeah maybe they're too sexy to be horror that's a lie a lot of horror is sexy yeah (laughs) i was like did you read i read kelly armstrong's other women series which is technically in the horror section and those books are very sexy we'll just leave it at that dang (laughs) boy yeah i did want to circle back to sam what you were saying yeah I didn't read Game of Thrones. I read the first book and was like, everyone I cared about died. Spoilers. So (laughs) I didn't didn't read the rest of them or watch Mm -hmm. the TV show. But I, yeah, the specifically two out of the three books I've read in the past couple weeks have had like a young character as the main character, Mm -hmm. but they are technically adult fiction. And I found for both of them, uh, shout out to how Rory Thorne, destroyed the multiverse which was such a good book you guys um but it was very like political Mm -hmm. so a lot of what was contained within the story was like yeah dealing with like a corrupt government and working out your way through politics and so i almost want to say that's yeah 
a very clear line <laughs> between yeah. Yeah. young adult and adult fiction is like you know, all the stuff that when you were a teen, you were like, I'll never be into politics. And then you grow up and you're like, meh, cancel the government. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on that point, then, where do you put the Hunger Games? Because I feel like that whole trilogy brings up similar themes, but maybe not as obviously. I don't know. To me, I don't, rereading it again as an adult, I was like, yo, let's take down the government. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really relate to when I first read it. I was just like, oh, love story, Peter, Gail. And now I'm like, yeah, no, like, screw the capital. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, though, because it's also been a really long time since I read those. That's but fair. Yeah. it was another case of like, later in the series that like it was second, third book oh, okay, that yeah. that happened, right? Yeah, like, cause it's the same with Harry Potter, right? Like, it's as you get later into the series, you're like, oh, we're getting into... <laughs> more adult themes and it's not romance yeah yeah no i'll take that yeah i accept that so maybe that is part of the disconnect between the apparent voice in twilight and midnight sun then even though they're set at the same time yeah midnight sun is supposed to have grown with the audience yeah yeah i also believe that it could just be like a perfect storm of stephanie meyer's been writing for a lot longer now i also suspect like you know it's usually older authors and by older I mean literally over the age of 25 (laughs) Um, like not a YA age uh, who are writing these YA novels and so it's like you are writing from a more mature standpoint so even Mm -hmm. if you try to write down you're going to be writing older regardless yes and also yeah later in the series technically even though it's the beginning of the series no, I really want to read that book you recommended now. <laughs> Guys, it's so fun. It's like, oh my God, it's The Princess Bride in Space and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to read it now. <laughs> anyway, it's fun. A fun book. A fun romp. Uh, but about the book that we're actually talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you have other? So my third question then on the whole yeah, topic of reading YA and adult. Well, if you're reading YA... Do you just think of the characters as older in your head to forget they're 16 and nothing like you were at 16? Or do you read them at that age? Like, I know personally, I sometimes just like think of them as older, especially in fantasy, because people tend, those lifelines tend to be longer. No, sorry, shorter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So 16 is more akin to like 25 now. But it's just, yeah, do you guys feel the same it's a bit different reading twilight because like they're in high school so it's really easy to be like oh yeah you're you're definitely a teenager but if you're reading something that is set in a different kind of world where like school isn't kind of the same do you age them up in your head i don't but i do find reading books about like teenagers in peril or watching like movies about teenagers in peril affects me a lot differently now that i'm an adult um i find it really bothers me to read about or watch like 15 16 year olds in these problems that like I certainly wasn't equipped to deal with as a teenager I feel like it's not necessarily like standard for teenagers to be able to deal with some of the situations that we like to throw at our teenage characters so I always find it a little bit upsetting that there aren't (laughs) more competent adults who are willing (laughs) or able to help the people in these stories which I don't know if that's just like misplaced maternal instinct because I don't have a maternal instinct for real children. I might as well have it for <laughs> fantasy ones. But yeah, like it hit me 
the hardest for the first time watching Spider-Man Homecoming, I think, when that came out. I was just so upset the whole movie that none of the adults who were supposed to be protecting the minor characters were doing their job properly. So I don't think of the characters as older, but I think of myself as older than the characters. A little different of a perspective. No, I like it. Yeah, I uh, I guess maybe it's born out of the same thing. I hate reading about uh, teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I a good genre to focus. Yeah, on. yeah I <laughs> I like the genre, but like if. I could read a book where the character's age is never mentioned. I would be the happiest person, like even adult fiction. Like I'm like, just don't tell me how old this character is. I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get so uncomfortable, especially because, you know, I enjoy a book that has like a nice romantic subplot. Like I'm like, I'm happy. They're in love forever. But when that character is 16 or 17, I'm like, impossible i was like we will not i don't this is like a fantasy world and you're being like and then we were in love like it was destined to be and i'm like this no you aren't even a real human yet you cannot you cannot know that you're going to be in love with this it's so true ageless vampire until you're a hundred sit down young lady sit down you get out of here with oh, this. it's so true. It's, I get so uncomfortable. Like, any form of media, I'm like, as soon as the main character is under 18, I just cringe also because I'm like, this is not... I'm... I'm no. I'm over 18. Yeah. This is yeah. illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot be reading about this romantic situation between these under 18-year-olds. On your point, Sophie, I do want to shout out the authors who are realistic in their writing too, because I've read a few series where the main character has multiple love interests throughout a series. Yeah. And I have mad respect for that because that's so much more realistic than I've met one person, been in one relationship my whole life, and oh you're gonna be the one I marry you. Whereas no, I've dated or I've dated four people throughout this series, and like it's gonna be maybe the second one or the last one, but it's more diverse than just insta love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, readers like reading about the lead up, yep. the flirting part, yes. way more. So that's a way better thing than being like, and they've been in love for seven books. It's like, no, <laughs> it not, no, zero no. percent chance. No. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even. <laughs> this, this is too much. <laughs> We've all become Charlie now. <laughs> yeah. The leaguered <laughs> adult in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I give mad Charlie vibes Just, on a regular basis. Man, yeah. Charlie's a good dude. He's a I'm good like... dude. He can't cook. He's me. Okay, so <laughs> on that, let me just... I'm mad about mm-hmm. this. Oh, mm-hmm. oh no! I'm yeah. so angry that Char... Like, what? Charlie can't cook a meal? Oh. <laughs> He's been, like, a bachelor for... How old is his daughter? Ten years? How long has it been? Like, are you oh, fucking yeah, kidding wild. me? People who make their daughters do all the household chores. Oh, he's a police officer chief. Is he a chief? He's responsible for other people working for him. And he can't. I don't. This is. Yeah. I'm all riled up about these two latest topics. So I will add to that as when we originally read this being that age 16. Oh, I don't want to call it my dad right now. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. No, my dad can't cook worth shit. (laughs) Okay. So, like, 
I, I, I see your point though, Sophie, because as I'm the same way, I can actually cook. That was a joke. I am single live uh, with a roommate, but I make my own food. <laughs> yeah, no, at that age, if I was 16 and living with just my dad, I, he would a hundred percent would have relied on me to make food for him. Um, oh and because my mom did all the cooking, I was in that traditional family where, yeah, my mom did all the cooking. Yeah, but hear me out, okay? Hear he didn't me know out. how to cook. <laughs> yeah, but hear me out. I'm not defending right? it. I just... No, I'm just literally, hear me out. Okay, right now, one of your parents not being able to cook because the other one can and they are together and live together, Yeah, that I allow. Like, okay. sure. <laughs> but, like, can you imagine if you had been, like, you, me, Hannah, we all live on our own right now. Yeah. Like, imagine if we couldn't cook. After living alone for so long. I know. It's okay. Like, true. True. <laughs> I've had four roommates in the course of my adult life. None of them cook. Like, two of them were my age. One is younger and one was much older. None of them really cook. So it seems oh. to be... This is something that also bothers me a lot. I don't know why. But it seems <laughs> to be a thing that there are more adults in the world who can't cook than I would have assumed. Because I also grew up in a family where, like, a lot of home cooking. My dad worked and my mom cooked, like, very traditional in that respect. But it was always food being cooked. So it never occurred to me until I moved out with my roommates that there would be people who didn't cook. And it still flabbergasts me that there are adults who don't cook. Again, in, like, today's (laughs) world where you can just get food or order it or buy a whole meal at the grocery store. Yeah. But if you're in the middle of nowhere town and you live in the middle of the forest, like, what has Charlie been eating? Doesn't he go to the diner? Wait, or is that just the movie I'm remembering? Does he go to the diner for three (laughs) meals a day? Every day? He probably gets it for free. Because, like... He's the he's the town sheriff. It's a small town. Like the diner, honestly, probably gives him the food for free. So it's it does say in Twilight that Charlie couldn't cook much beside fried eggs and bacon. So he's clearly competent enough to like chuck some stuff in a frying pan. True. And you know cereal. I just chicken nuggets in the how oven. How long has he been living alone? I just anyway. I'm fine. It's all fine. <laughs> Charlie, get your shit together. speaking of charlie i found something in well it stuck out to me in midnight sun that i thought was really interesting but comes from twilight which is i don't think we've mentioned it in this podcast but anybody who's read the books knows that like bella does not refer to her father as dad except to his face right she always calls him charlie but then during the conversation in the cell biology lab bella complains that charlie must call her isabella behind her back because everybody calls her that. And I'm like, well, you don't call him by what he wants you to call him <laughs> behind his back. It, like, how are you complaining about this when you're doing the exact same thing? <laughs> so I just reading the chapter or the two chapters immediately back to back. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Something doesn't add up here. <laughs> just typical teen. Uh, yeah, I. <sighs> Charlie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It's very traditional masculine cop character, eh? Yeah. He's a good dude, but you can definitely know the character. Well, I like how he stood up for the Cullens when the entire town was basically like, well, I guess he automatically assumed that's what Bella was going to say. And then like 
immediately went to their defense. So like, and presumably that was based on something, right? I can't imagine he would come out and be like, oh, the new people, I assume everybody hates them. Well, so in his little speech, he does say that like, at first he assumed and he says like, what with all those adopted children? And I was like, oh boy, (laughs) true. That's not a cool way to be. Charlie, listen, I didn't hate Charlie. I think the first time I read these books, I think I'm not going to like Charlie on this read around. Fair enough. Anyway, I'm interested to see now. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about before? <laughs> we got on sidetracked. We very much sidetracked from. Uh, well, my, my question was, oh, yeah. Do you age up characters in your head or whatever? And that's how we got there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as long as there's no romance in it, like if it's a nine to 12 novel, I am totally chill with whatever age it's as soon as it gets like Hannah's with the danger for me. It's like, don't you dare think about smooching that person. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you're not allowed to date until you're 18. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah's one side of the weird maternal instinct. And I'm the other side where I'm like, don't even think about it. (laughs) If one of us ever has, if we ever have like a f- mutual friend who has a child, yeah. it's going to be getting a lot of confusing, like non-biological ant signals from yeah. us. Yeah, because I'm going to be on one hand being like, yeah, you're like your own person, do whatever you want. And then I'm also going to be like, but no dating. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, if you go into your room with a person, you have to have the door open at all times. <laughs> We're such squares. <laughs> <laughs> this goes to my point though is that i firmly don't think there's some books in the ya section that shouldn't be there because yes. i can't imagine reading a court of mist and fury when oh i was God. 16 that book is so sexy it's like oh. how it's it can't i didn't know no but that and that kind of goes into where i was kind of going with all of this it's because you have some of the like adult fantasy like I just finished a wise man's fear in the King Chronicles. Oh my god. Congratulations. Yeah. You did yeah, it. I did it. But like there's some sexual content in there, but it's nothing it's not actually super explicit. So I was like, oh okay, I'd be okay, like a 16, 17 year old reading this. But then I'm like a court of Fist and Muri- Fury, which is in YA. Like I've gone to the bookstore a lot. It's right there. It's in the teenager section. And I'm just like, that is the raciest book I've ever read. And I read it at like 23. (laughs) And that's just like teens could read that. And I'm like, this don't, this is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a problem, but it's also like kind of a problem. (laughs) So, and that's kind of where I kind of was like, the lines are blurred because I don't read a lot of YA contemporary, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I don't really know if those scenes are as explicit in there, but if you read adult romance, like you're 100% going to get a smut scene. You know that. Yeah. Right. But with YA fantasy, your adult fantasy. Yeah. I could have like a mention of some things and could have some sexual contact, but sometimes you'll go through a whole book and not have a single smut scene or like single, anything like that. And then a lot of YA books now you get the full thing. So I'm like, what's going on? Anyways. It's weird because I feel almost like a 
fantasy like adult fiction like fantasy or sci-fi or whatever that mm-hmm. had the level of like explicit content that a YA book had would be shelved in romance like it would be 100%. like sorry this is a romance book so you know but in YA like they're not going to create a YA romance section because like every parent would clutch their pearls and be like goodness <laughs> can't have that so like they just were like oh no it's just all YA all of this this yeah the you know seventh Harry Potter book and a court of mist and fury same thing basically if you think oh about it and it's not <laughs> but then that's why there now there's this new genre called new adult and oh. that's supposed to be that like in between where it's basically just where fantasy authors can write their smutty romance within fantasy but it's not YA and it's not adult but they have their own subgenre so we all know where to go to which like I'm not angry about because I went into a book this week I read it it was targeted as new adult I absolutely loved it it's what I needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it is leading to this newer distinction and I think it kind of goes to what we were talking about in the prologue episode it's like is it YA fantasy because it includes romance? Anyways. I mean, it's so, it's so, I don't understand anything <laughs> about how books are separated. Me neither. None of it makes sense. Like, at all. Yeah. Well, I think normally we go into what we think is going to happen next time. In Midnight Sun, it is Risk. And in Twilight, it's phenomenon. Okay, good. <laughs> it's phenomenon. So not the same this time. So do you think the chapters will have different contents then, since they have different titles? Oh, that's interesting. If that's how it goes, that would be very useful for us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be like, ah, they are different this time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any idea what's going on. Maybe this is where Jacob gets introduced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I would love to see more of like the vampire family behind the scenes. So hopefully we'll have like a scene at home where we yeah. can see how they interact with each other when there aren't humans around. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be really cool actually. That's what I was hoping more of Midnight Sun would be to like kind of open our eyes more to the Cullens. Yeah their like culture or their dynamic or something like that it would be i'd be interested in seeing more of that for sure yeah i honestly don't remember like i have zero idea what's gonna happen in the next chapter is she gonna go grocery shopping again maybe clean the house again probably genuinely don't remember (laughs) probably because charlie's incompetent is she gonna dissect a fetal pig in biology Hmm. (laughs) or a frog what if i read the first line and we can see if that sparks anything for us okay sure i have Pass them open, and I'm not sure it's gonna help. Yeah, it's probably not gonna help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first line of chapter three of Twilight is, "When I opened my eyes in the morning, something was different." Dang. Which is not even oh my remotely God, ever Watch her as she sleeps in the oh next God. one. No. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. I forgot that we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I take everything nice i said about edward back uh yeah oh maybe oh i just flipped a few pages forward and now i know what's gonna happen (laughs) i got too excited oh dang well 
I won't spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil this book that's 13 years old. But I've already read and should remember, but <laughs> yeah. I read like one line in the middle and I was like, oh yes, okay, I know what this is. So. Oh dang. Well, it, that's about it for us today. It's basically my bedtime, so um, I think we'll call it call it there. Uh, anything from you guys? No, I like sleep too. <laughs> yeah, I'm a time zone ahead of you, so I'm practically asleep right now. Dang. <laughs> uh, it's quarter to 9 p.m. It's so late. <laughs> so speaking about how we've all turned into old curmudgeons, it's almost 9 p.m., guys. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Oh. Anyway. If you liked this chapter of Midlight Crisis, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, or sharing the show with a friend. You can talk to us and find fun-related content on social media. We are at MidlightPod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And all chapters of the show so far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com. And until next time, remember, when talking to humans... Use your quiet voice to make sure they feel comfortable. Form a polite <laughs> smile with your lips and make sure to not show any teeth. <laughs> <laughs>